Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Shine football fans, welcome to Morning Footy. Happy Wednesday. We're very glad that you're starting your day with us. I'm Susanna Collins alongside Nico Cantor, Jordan Angeli. Hello. Guest today, Alexis Guerreros. We've got Allie Trost Martin in for some headlines. How are we doing today, Jordan? Good. Yeah, I Great love my Wednesdays with you guys. It's fun. It's fun. You bring you bring a, a special energy, you know? <sighs> Well, thank you. I know. I really good. appreciate I, I, that. I, I like it is definitely different lady. than the energy that everybody else brings, I yeah. would say. You have a, an overall positivity, you know? <laughs> You're very she's, she's glowing. Children's TV show host. <laughs> vibe. Well, there's yeah. news. I will be hosting a TV show yeah. for children. You know, it was always a dream of mine to be on Sesame Street. Oh. Was it? Yeah. Like, I, like, wanted to be one of the, either, like, working with the, the puppets or, like, but, like talking to the puppets. Hmm. With your it. luck, you are one of the puppets and you're doing neck bounces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> would you say Uh-oh. you like Elmo? I would say I love Elmo. Oh, okay, I would yeah. say that Elmo's, he's one yeah, of my Elmo's favorites. one of my favorites. How would, what would Elmo... Yeah, what would he say? What would Elmo, Elmo, how, would, how, would Elmo, how would Elmo welcome us into Morning Footy? Yeah. I, I wouldn't know. Oh. That would be... Wow. Right. Yeah. Really? Right. <laughs> when the camera turns on? Mm-hmm. What are you, that frog from that Warner Brothers yeah. cartoon? Every time he showed it, it would stop singing? Yeah. So, guys... How about the U.S. of A? Huh? How about it? A 4-0 win over Ghana coming off that 3-1 loss to Germany. Let's get into the highlights from last night, and it started early for the U.S. The right side for the U.S. was just devastating. And the thing I like about this, there's five players in the box. So even though this shot by Valigan, actually I think it was across the far post to try to find Pulisic, it's Reyna following up in, in that late run. Pulisic gets a penalty. I was hoping Balogun would take it. I don't know how you guys feel. Mm. But it's nice to see Pulisic get another goal. That's 28 goals and 68 caps. Three in the last mm. four oh, matches. And then, and then wow. this, this turn. This turn, wow. <laughs> It's not just the turn, it's the finish, too. He goes inside of the foot, bends it far post, but see you later. Tucks it in, back corner, like right where the net meets. Just amazing. And then, look at this. We should show this highlight in black and white. This looks like an early... An early soccer, like 1930s World Cup yeah. uh, Well, Gio Reyna with his first career brace for the U.S. men's national team. Here's a look at this match by the numbers. Um, I mean, this was, I, I, I think it's worth pointing out, as, as well as the U.S. played and looked in this one, 
gonna look terrible. And terrible. Yeah, I think really, it's fair really to say poor. That. I know I know they're professionals, but this this backline at moments looked un, uninterested yeah. in the match. And I, I don't want to disparage professionals. I, yeah. I know Ghana is very respectable, incredible, incredible uh, national team. But there were moments where that backline just looked like they had never met. It was wild. Yeah. Well, when we spoke to Mbizo about this yesterday, he kind of alluded to it that Ghana has had troubles. And from what I understand, also knowing part of the coaching staff that was at the last AFCON with Ghana, this isn't, uh, oh, suddenly... They're bad. Yeah. They've had a couple of years where they haven't put up convincing performances. And they were, it's not that they were picked apart. They just, they, they crumble themselves. And not to take anything away from the U.S. Because when you face opponents like what Ghana showed yesterday, maybe you expect sometimes the mm -hmm. U.S. to just put them away. In, in, in what, in 20 minutes? It was yeah. already 22 minutes. It mm -hmm. was 3-0. And then the 4-0, which was... Like, enough. All right, enough. Set a different tone. Berhalter made subs, and it was just like, a, it was almost another game. But Ghana's, now I'm, I'm more worried than I was yesterday for Ghana. And, and Mbizo was speaking, you know, he was, he was warning us already yeah. the signs that are there. Not even, not even for AFCON. I, I, I don't care too much about Ghana for AFCON. I'm talking about this very generous World Cup that allows 48 teams to go. And Ghana has to get a lot of things together if they wish to be at the big dance yeah. in 2026. Couldn't agree more. Um, at halftime, Greg Berhalter seemed really pleased with how his team played in the, the first 45, especially mm -hmm. coming off that poor second half against Germany. Jordan, um, what was your reaction to this game? I know we're talking about you know how... Ghana was a maybe not as a tough an opponent right. as Germany was, but for you, was this was this what you wanted to see from the U.S. coming out in this game? I would say I could split it into two halves because I thought the first half, yes, absolutely, yeah. and Berhalter would be happy with that. I don't think he'll be happy with the second half okay. because the substitutions that were made should have not – they should have gotten more goals in the second half, I think. I, I think that this I team, mean, they could have put up five or six which, in the first half alone. Which, why not? I think that I'm a little disappointed at the, the lack of intensity intensity in aggressive attacking moments for the U.S. in the second half. But when we're talking about the first half, Greg's comments at halftime, I think absolutely they did exactly what they needed to. Is um, I like Dest on the right. I thought Lund had a good game. Um, the combinations and the way they utilize their outside backs with their wingers, there was a lot of times where the wingers were coming all the way back into a deep midfield position to allow Dest and Lund, mostly Dest, to get advanced and to be more of a forward, a play in the pocket at times. And I really liked how that looked against this Ghanaian squad. Um, and I remember the, the last game, and I know we'll talk a little bit about Gio, and so you, you can give your, your thoughts on his performance. But it was Berhalter saying he didn't want Gio to come too far back into the midfield, which I totally get, but I think it worked in this game because there were so many numbers behind the ball for Ghana. So when he came back deeper in the midfield, it actually created space that then he could play forward and use his speed to then meet the ball in that next seam. I, I thought his positioning was oftentimes right on 
the spot for in this game. I completely agree. I also think he was able to not just track back a little bit more, as you're saying, create more space, but it almost allowed him to be way more effective in passing the ball yeah. to, the, to our forwards or our wingers, which is exactly what we needed. And I think what everybody was asking for, which was Philaire and Balogun getting more service, I mean, he got as much as he wanted. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, went from, he went from coach to first class. He got all the service. <laughs> I, I had a minute and 15 in. There was a direct, it was one back by the U.S. high up the field, and it was a direct ball into Flo's feet Mm -hmm. right at the top of the box and and it's not a quality shot from him but I think that was exactly what was talked about after the last game can we find him and right away it was a direct pass to find him at the top of the box which you you have to you have to serve this guy because he is so good on the ball this is the type of player that you need active Mm -hmm. and yes it it was active Mm -hmm. again let's I, you have to take everything with a grain of salt when you're talking about totally these type of wins against a rival that was significantly inferior to you. Um, but it's great to see on the right track. Which yeah. uh, I'm not overly right. excited about this. I think Fair. I, I think Fair. that I'm more disappointed in the second half than I am excited, excited about, the first. about the first half. Okay. Although the the goals in the first half make me excited about some of the pa- patterns of play and the the rotations and progressions that the U.S. have, but. I, I don't think it's good enough in the second half. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think it's very healthy that we have this type of conversation where we don't get ahead of ourselves when we yeah. get, don't get too overly excited. I know a win over Ghana 4-0, it's eye-popping sure. from the very beginning, but let's take it for what it is in reality and let's move on. It's always like it's never good enough, mm-hmm. which I think is a fair mentality to have. Let's build off of that. You have that to have was that great mentality. And, and, and move forward and not overreacting mm-hmm. is, is, is key. So let's, thumbs up. Yeah, great. way to go. Yes, yes. You know, Positive result, but let's, let's temper on. the enthusiasm just a bit. Um, let's dive into a little bit more into the service to, to Balogun. Okay. I think we can take a look at some of those passes inside to him. And so uh, for the, the first game, the first game uh, in against Germany, uh, it was, I mean, it was very limited. It was like no green yeah, arrows on exactly. that sheet. It was like two or three. And now look at this. This is incredible. Although this is, I think the, the image we showed the other day was just the passes coming from uh, Gio Reyna and Christian Pulisic. This is more. So this mm-hmm. is pretty much every pass coming into uh, Falaire and Balogun. But look at this. The, what you're looking at is opportunities, especially in the box. You know, uh, Charlie made a massive point to say, like, look, he was not getting any passes or services in the box. Mm-hmm. And now, boom, look yeah. at this. And that, that first pass that I was talking about is that one right in zone 14, right at the top of the box there, which I, I liked. Uh, in the first game against Germany, Ballard. What's it called? Zone 14? Zone 14, yeah. yeah. Split it between zones? Yeah. You have the D, as they call it? It's like the playmaking zone at the top of the box. Yeah, I'll show you a little, a okay. little diagram cool. after. <laughs> Nice. Passes um, from there lead to goals more often. Yeah, so everybody yeah. focuses on zone 14. Um, Ballo had 17 touches in that game against Germany. In the first 45, he had 26 in this game. You, you spoke about feeding him, and, and I think it was equally on both sides. I thought Lund had a good had a good game when it, when you're talking about a left back. I think he did a good job of putting himself into this match. Mostly defensively. I was pretty impressed with I his. mean, yeah. Caduce is probably the player that we're most worried about on Ghana offensively, especially in the attack. Yeah. And Loon, for a young guy, you know, was his third start, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, for the men's national team, pretty much had him in his pocket for the first 40 minutes. There were moments where Caduce sort of got, became more effective, but it was him attempting to get forward and get around uh, Loon as opposed to really being influential, being able mm. to do whatever he wanted. 
Yeah, I, I think for... This, this has to be a, a positive step coming off the, the Germany result. Um, and there's a lot of good things to take away. I know Charlie had a lot of positives to say after the Germany game, but that first half in particular, and I think Gio Reyna getting two goals. It was kind of like, welcome back, Gio. Mm -hmm. This game, that's kind of what it, it felt like. For me, it was like, it sort of delivered on, on all fronts that first 45. Mm -hmm. It was like the, the Gio Reyna brace, that incredible goal from, from Balogun and Pulisic. And we talked about those those three guys being essential to the success of the U.S. men's national team. And so you have to look at the first 45 of this match against Ghana and feel good about the direction that that attack yeah. can be going in, especially ahead of, of Nations League. And I think it shows you the way they celebrated with him afterwards. Yeah. It was, a, it was an emphatic, like, pat on the back. Like, every – we've heard that that team is mm -hmm. really supportive of Gio and they know how important he is to them. And I think – the way they celebrated with him after those goals made everybody see, like, we know things went wrong, yeah. but now things are on the right track. No, I'm glad you pointed that out. That's a really good point. Um, all right, guys, we're going to take a break. Ali Trost Martin is going to be back with some headlines when we return. Stick around. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Well, there is so much content to check out right now on Paramount Plus, and you don't want to miss this one. Football must go on a new docuseries, part of our stories from the beautiful game. It is streaming now on Paramount Plus. And right now, let's send it on over to Ali Trost Martin for today's headlines. Hello, Ali. Hi, Suze. Hello, everybody. How are we uh -huh. doing? Uh, let's get into the headlines, shall we? We'll start with some bad news for Brazil, though, as star striker Neymar suffered a serious knee injury during their World Cup qualifying loss to Uruguay last night. The Al-Hilal playmaker was carried off in tears and was later seen leaving the stadium on crutches. The 31-year-old suffered the injury just before halftime of Tuesday's 2-0 loss to Uruguay. Brazil's medical team would not confirm the extent of the injury, but tests are expected to be conducted today to see how long Neymar will be sidelined. In CONCACAF news, the final four places in the Nations League quarterfinals were secured with Panama, Jamaica, Honduras, and Trinidad and Tobago finishing in the top two spots in their League A groups. They'll join the U.S., Mexico, Canada, and Costa Rica in the quarterfinals, which will take place in November. The quarterfinal pairings have yet to be officially announced, but the U.S. will face either Trinidad and Tobago or Honduras, with Mexico facing the other team. In Serie A news, Juventus midfielder Nicolo Fagioli has been suspended for seven months for gambling on soccer matches. The punishment came after a plea deal that includes requiring Fagioli to undergo six months of therapy for gambling addiction and a requirement of making 10 appearances to speak about the dangers of gambling addiction. Fagioli's suspension is officially one year, but five months of that ban will be commuted once he meets the necessary requirements. The ban will keep him out for almost the entirety of the rest of the Serie A season. But Fagioli isn't the only player caught up in the Serie A betting scandal. Italian midfielder Sandro Tonali is facing his own lengthy ban after admitting to betting on AC Milan matches when he played for Milan. 
The Newcastle midfielder testified at the Italian Federation and admitted to betting on soccer matches, which opens him up to the possibility of a three-year ban. He's likely to face a shorter ban for cooperating with the investigation and admitting guilt. In American soccer news, Michael Bradley has called it a career, announcing his retirement on Tuesday. The U.S. men's national team legend will play his final match on Saturday when Toronto FC hosts Orlando City. Bradley's career has spanned two decades, starting in MLS with the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars, before moving to Europe where he had stents in the Netherlands, Germany, England, and Italy, before returning to MLS with Toronto FC. He captained TFC to three MLS Cup final appearances and a treble in 2017. Bradley made 151 appearances for the U.S. men's national team and featured on the 2010 and 2014 World Cup teams. He also helped the U.S. men's national team win Gold Cup titles in 2007 and 2017. Uh, Nico, Michael Bradley's career is one of the best in American soccer history, but he leaves the game as a bit of a divisive figure in the last couple of years. How do you think he'll be remembered? I think he should be remembered for how much he contributed to the success of a generation of U.S. soccer that, at least in my upbringing, uh, I remember and revere with a decent amount of success, bar 2018. Uh, he has goals of all sorts against Mexico, including <laughs> the, chip. At the, the, chip. the chip at the Azteca, but <laughs> yeah. that wasn't the only one. He has several other goals against Mexico, gold cups. He played in that Confederations Cup, and this is would have been a question for Charlie that maybe he can answer later. I'm not, if Charlie's watching, I'm not accepting text message answers. What <laughs> if he wouldn't have gotten the red card in the semifinal against Spain? Would the U.S. would have had a better chance against Brazil in in the final. But he has, look, he played in Europe, and then he came to Major League Soccer. His commitment to MLS was massive. Yeah, he was mm -hmm. part of that, huge. a part of that move of that wave, right? With, with with Josie, with Clint, when they when they all came and yeah. kind of gave MLS this new status in a moment yeah. where it needed to shift. Obviously, there was that controversy of whether all of these guys should have stayed in Europe or, or continued in with a Major League Soccer, but clearly Major League Soccer gave them uh, an, an avenue with which to live their life and, and, and their career with a different dynamic. But I think he should re be remembered with success, with triumphs, with importing goals, World Cup qualifiers against Mexico. And he played in World Cup, so, and, and very important to, to the U.S.'s setup for those, what did he play? I think 12 years in the national more 13 years 13, in the national team 151 caps yeah. 151 caps Respect. I mean it's I think that's the third most in in US men's national team history um, I think that for what I find unfortunate about you know his his legacy is that I think he took the fall in 2018 a lot for them not qualifying I think guys like him and Josie they took the brunt of the blame and became scapegoats yeah. for for you know that sort of narrative of why the U.S. didn't qualify for for the World Cup, and I don't necessarily think that that's fair. And no. I think that he carried that that has to hurt. He, this is a man, yeah. a player who loved to represent his country. He did it proudly. He did it well. And like it's not his reason. It's not his. No, Cup. it's not uh, Joe's exactly. reason. Exactly. Exactly. A whole lot of factors that we but can't there was get into probably right now. a bit of a chip on 
his shoulder after that, I would imagine. I, I think yeah. he's always had a chip on his shoulder. I think that's he plays like it. Right? He plays yeah. like that, and I think that's a little bit of his upbringing, of where he's from, of um, his family environment, because mm-hmm. it seems like that's a little bit of the Bradleys, right? But I, I feel like. As a footballer, when I was playing, I was looking to Michael Bradley and, and seeing how he played the position because he could cover ground, he could distribute, he could break lines. He was simple and as a six. And in a in a time where I feel like, in any time actually, you need a player like that on your team who sets the tone. I I will remember Michael Bradley for every single game, how consistent he mm-hmm. was with this team. He was someone that you could always look to and you knew how the performance was going to be. So um, what a career. Yeah. What a career. Um, transformed TFC. Very much so. And, what and a treble. To get booed, for you know, to reference what you were talking about, to get booed at the, in the wake of missing the not qualifying for the World Cup, it's got to be tough. I think he handled it very professionally. But I also feel like saying all these things about how we remember him, I feel like the narrative will shift because there's no doubt in my mind that this man is a coach. Mm -hmm. There's zero doubt in my mind that we will not see him on a touchline. It feels like he's been preparing himself for that for the last few years, and it feels like that is the next natural step. When that happens, I don't know, but I know for sure we will see him. The only question I have is, is he suit or track suit? Hmm. It's the only question I have. I think it's very telling also that he's very respected outside of the United States. Yeah. Either first time in in Germany, Italy, or Mm -hmm. the Netherlands. That, that says a lot. We tend to look at his career through a USMNT lens, and, we, and we're very intense with that. But the fact that in Europe, they esteem his time mm-hmm. in the old continent. Yeah. Um, they, I'm trying to think of a synonym for, place, for you. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Yeah. Just trying to think of ways to say it. <laughs> yeah. I, like it. I, I, I think it means a lot. Very no, legal. it does. Uh, a really, really incredible c- career. We yeah. wish him all the best in his retirement. All right, guys, um, we are going to take a break. We are going to dive into some Euro qualifiers, including um, a really, really impressive performance from England against Italy. That's coming up next. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Euro 2024 qualifiers continue. Here's a look at Tuesday's results. England with the big 3-1 win over Italy. Ukraine beat Malta 3-1. Lithuania and Hungary and in a 2-2 draw. And I just want to point out this result between Denmark and San Marino. Denmark get the 2-1 win, but San Marino get their first goal in 772 days. Sensational. That's like two and a half years. That's a two and a half year goal drought. Um, You have to cry after that, right? You're so excited. Against Denmark. Against Denmark. No slouch. Let me tell you, that guy's bakery is going to be lines out the door. I am happy for them. (laughs) Way too good. You just have to be if you're from San Marino. Well, the game that we previewed yesterday was that England-Italy match with the win. England now have clinched their spot in Euro 2024 in Germany. Uh, But this was a really, really impressive performance for them. A brace from Harry Kane, a goal from Marcus Rashford, Jude Bellingham just absolutely bossing the midfield. Alexis, how happy will England fans be with this performance and this result? I mean, I, they should be excited. This felt – there was no uh, retribution, I don't think, for having lost the final. Anita said it uh, – the Euro final last, uh, last time out. Anita said it, and it didn't feel that way when the game started. I didn't necessarily trust that. Mm-hmm. 
But when the game started, it didn't feel that way. It felt like this was more of a let's show let's show everyone how good we are, especially with some of the questions coming out with booing. And, you know, you, we've seen Southgate sort of make this turn a little bit and be a little bit more combative now with the media yeah. and the fans and protecting his own players. Mm-hmm. So this feels like a bit more unified. And I think if we talk about anything with England, it's the Jude Bellingham... It's really, really real reveal. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just these, you know, easy goals he's getting, like the memes at Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. This man is at a, is playing at a, at, a, at, a, at a rate and at a level that I don't think I've seen in a very long time. At a baby goat level. A baby yeah. goat is a great way to put it. Which is cool. We've, we talk about all these players who have had impact over a number of years, and it's hard to remember what they were like when they first started. And if you're not watching Jude Bellingham right now, you're, you're missing his, you know, that beginning of his trajectory of becoming... The, I mean, he is he is becoming the next big superstar in front of our eyes at 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So pay attention. Watch his every move because in 20, 15 years, you're going to say, I remember watching him when he first started mm-hmm. and that year where he took off. The play where he tackles at the top of the box mm-hmm. to win the ball and then runs like a freaking gazelle yeah. down mm-hmm. the field. And His strides are so, so lovely. So <laughs> lovely. And the touch to get around and the pass and the run at the end. The run at the end, I, I think, was called out a little bit too much as like drawing defenders. I don't think it actually drew as many defenders as possible, but it opened up the tiny amount of space that they needed centrally. He is... But the intelligence to run across exactly. the face of where the striker is heading to just cause that split second confusion that opens up lagoons of space when we're talking about (laughs) the final third a half of an inch is a Mm -hmm. big is a lot amount of space he completely opened up the space so that you could set up a shot and take a beautiful shot it was just one of the most impressive end-to-end runs i've seen in an international game and this is against an italy who badly needed to win this game if you're italy one question was answered is who's our who's our striker it's skamaka you, you, you nurture this man, this Atalanta player, as much as you can. This is the guy up, for, up front. It doesn't look like Chiro Mobley will be back. I think he's even thinking of going to play for Saudi Arabia. It looks like maybe they'll move on from that. Spalletti, there's still a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions across the board. If you're England, you're really happy right now. You finally have found a way to take these incredible youth products that you've developed and find a way to make them into a team. And it seems like now, I mean, you do have some, where's Grealish play in this team? There's other questions, but right now, you build around Jude Bellingham. You do whatever you can to nurture and incredibly, just get this guy as far forward as possible. So, obviously, it feels like when there's big wins like this, it's all about praising how good the players are and they delivered and stuff like that. But it's unfair to say that only. And then every time they lose, oh, it's Gareth Southgate's fault, right? Agree. It's Southgate is the scapegoat when they lose and it's the players' uh, contribution when they win. I think for the game yesterday, Gareth Southgate also deserves his flowers yeah. because it's a matter of player selection, getting the players in the right place. Look, he opted for Calvin Phillips. He wasn't a detriment to, to the setup. That was a risk considering that I don't he think doesn't he gets ever start. play. I don't think okay, he gets another Okay, fair, start but it wasn't, it, wasn't, I, it wasn't a detriment. Rashford, Rashford isn't informed. He could have t- taken the decision to be like, okay, Rashford, you're not scoring. Let me find the space for a Jack Grealish, for example, and, and look at how Rashford plays, getting mm-hmm. the most out of him, mm-hmm. something that we're not seeing at, at Manchester United. He still opts for Harry Maguire. And I, he's, he's got his guys, but yesterday, for the most part, maybe Calvin Phillips doesn't get another start, Fair, but he took a risk, and overall, 
it worked out and they beat their toughest opponent in group play yeah. to qualify for, for the Euros. For so, a second time. And good, Calvin, good Phillips, Calvin Phillips even said after the match he was lucky not to get sent off. So I think there is some questions. And I think more of the questions are, look, I think he deserves to get playing time. I think, there's, I think if you're Calvin Phillips, you start to question, is me being at Manchester City causing me to get out of the picture for the national team? No. Is that for Calvin <laughs> Phillips? I, I, he, he probably knows that that answer is yes. Yeah. If, you, if you don't play... His quotes after the match alluded to that as well. Yeah. yeah. He knows that. Every, a player knows that if you're not playing, you're, you're losing rhythm, you're not match fit. How can you expect to start for the national team if you're not playing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, just quickly on Southgate, I do feel like this, his, the decisions he made were as important, but the, the game plan was even better. The setup, the, the, they suffocated this Italy team for spans of this game. High pressing, winning the ball back, outside backs, stepping into midfield space to win the ball. I thought there were so many things that they did right to help them um, in moments of transition, especially. And that's all game plan mm-hmm. against an Italy team who you knew that there was going to be a weakness there because okay. of the players that weren't there and the new coach. It felt like a very, a team who knew what they were about versus a team who's like, who are we? Yeah. Now? So this here's, here's is my question. You're giving Southgate credit for, for this win along with the players yeah. that, that played outstandingly well. Spalletti. What do we make no. of his time Italy, with Italy? I, I don't think it's specifically Spalletti. Okay. Look what he has to work with. The best representation of the game yesterday and where England versus Italy is at right now is Harry Kane just muscling Scalvini off of him to score that goal. Yeah. He's a kid. Yeah, but where is... is so Scalvini's... Italy that has produced some of the best centre-backs in world football history. You tell yeah. me... Scalvini's the best you got right now. You you look at this team and it's frankly uninspiring. Mm. Where where are the where's the player development? This isn't a this isn't a is Spalletti the problem issue. Yeah. This is and and Italians know this. This is much deeper than that. This is the Lazzurra, the, the yeah the no, four-time World Cup champion. We are now on yeah. a second lost generation for Italy. If you think back after they win the World Cup in, what was that, 2006, now mm-hmm. all of a sudden you've got gaps of time where they haven't really, they what, 2014 was the last time they were in a World Cup? Yep. This is where they crashed out of the group yeah. stage. Yeah, they won a Euros. They won a Euros. They, they Absolutely. They Fair. celebrate a trophy. They with, won a major with competition. a lot of different players. There's literally the only two players that won the Euro that were on the field yesterday, or at least started, were Nicolo Varela and, and Donnarumma. Yeah. That's it. Looking at the lineup from... I don't know. You think in 10, you, you talked about growing center backs in Italy. You think in 10 years, Scalvini, though, I, I can see him as a really good player in this Italian back line. He's 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And, I, look, and that's, a, that's something that you have to, like, how else can you learn that except for playing in that game against Harry Kane and saying, well, well, I just made a terrible mistake and I'm going to try to never do that again. Um, it's a growing pain that I feel like you kind of have to learn. Yeah. What is it? I know, I know the Italians are not feeling that way right, <laughs> right now. But usually, usually. There it, would have been someone else to step in that spot. Jude Bellingham's 20. Yeah. It's like it's, your age isn't really an indicator of where you can be. Yeah. Italy has produced world-class. Historically, Italy has produced totally. young, world-class <laughs> players, world-class center back, yeah. generation upon generation. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me. 
the best we have right now is mm. Scalvini, who can mature into somebody who is an elite center back in the next couple of years, next decade. Sure. I believe that. But right now, to start on the Italian national team, to get muscled, but like... Yeah. There's, there's, mm. there's a serious... Get off of me. Chicken and egg, right? Like, how are you going to get there drought. if you don't get... Yeah. There's yeah, a it's an Italy in problem. Player, yeah, it's an Italy problem in, in player development. Part of it was getting an Argentinian guy to be uh, a forward, a guy who couldn't even start for Boca who's, at the time. Who's not even... He wasn't even considered a leader. No, and this is a starter for a national team. I mean, look, there's problems. If you look at Italy, if they do end up having to go to this playoff and they somehow don't qualify for these Euros, you have to start making asking some major questions. What are you need to maybe go back to the Catenaccio, lock it down, be super defensive until you can start to develop players or some of these younger players can come through. I was Marco on Twitter was like, Scamacca might be our best option until this 16-year-old comes over. Like a 16-year-old. You went from Scamaca to a 16-year-old. That's it? That's your gap? A guy, an yeah, Argentinian kid, Scamaca, Chiro Immobile, who looks like he's done with the national team, or a 16-year-old? There are questions across the board. They Look, they had more shots than Italy, not as many on frame, but they, so they had some positives. This is a positive you could build on. But if they go to this playoff game and they don't make it into oh. the Euros, this has – I mean, how many, how how many rock say, bottoms can you hit? Uh, you didn't qualify for two World how do you Cups say, in a row. How do you say, what are we doing in Italian? <laughs> yeah. Get fired! Get fired! Yeah. <laughs> that's, okay. that's good. What are you doing? Oh, that's yeah. good. What are we doing? Woo. Que facciamo? I'm fired que facciamo? <laughs> que stiamo facendo? I, there's another way to say it, but I can't say it on TV. <laughs> that's what I've, what I've heard them say. During the break. <laughs> During the break, <laughs> which we are going to take right now. Uh, Felipe Cardenas is going to join us on the other side to chat a little Mexico. Don't go anywhere.